Hello friends, so excited to tell you about the new Trade Show University YouTube channel where we have five minute pro tips, we've got longer training episodes, we've got expert interviews, and so much more coming up. Many of these video versions of the podcast episodes that you've enjoyed, plus there's videos there of content that is not available on our podcast, so please go to YouTube, search for Trade Show University, hit subscribe, and binge on those videos, which, which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. Have you been wondering when live events come back and you go to that first one, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be safe? Are people going to actually show up? What's the whole experience going to be? Well, we've got the answers for you because I have on today Danica Tormolin, who is an award-winning journalist who's been covering live events, going to live events in 2021, and she is coming on to explain what it's like and give everyone a peek behind the scenes of what live events look like right now. So let's not waste any more time. glad to have you back here and glad you made your way back to campus here at Trade Show University, the podcast for virtual and live events where we are celebrating these events and excited for the future uh, as things continue to roll back. I am your host, Jim Cermak. This is going to be an amazing episode for everyone listening. Uh, I am just super pumped about today's guest because somebody who I have enjoyed her work, she is an award-winning journalist. Her name is Danica Tormolin, and she's been covering the trade show industry and events industry exclusively for 25 years. But more importantly, she has been to several not just one, but several live events recently, and it's going to give us a little peek behind the curtain as to what is going on so that we all get a little better understanding of what to expect as we start to see these events coming back. Are they safe? Are people excited? Are the booths 100 feet apart from each other? (laughs) What is happening? So she's going to give us a breakdown of that and uh, just share some of her experience with us. She's just an amazing, amazing person. So excited to share her with you. And I'm also excited about Global Meetings Industry Day, which is coming up in just a few weeks on April 8th. Such an important event that is going on around the globe, around the globe, that Michael Massari, who was on a recent episode from Caesars Entertainment, had shared with us some information about that and about the organization behind it, Meetings Means Business. And I encourage everybody to go over to meetingsmeansbusiness.com and see how you can get involved. There's a lot of resources there and a lot of things happening around Global Meetings Industry Day. And check out, we've got an exclusive replay of a panel discussion that's going to happen uh, from Las Vegas in a couple weeks, immediately following Global Meetings Industry Day. So please subscribe and don't miss that episode. It's going to be very, very important for the industry. So check out meetingsmeansbusiness.com. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from today's sponsor. 
You know how a lot of small businesses need someone to handle marketing and graphic design, but they just don't have the bandwidth or the budget to hire someone full-time? If that sounds like you, then you got to check out Design Pod Studio. Design Pod Studio is a creative agency made up of award-winning designers. They're an affordable, outsourced team that acts just like the in-house team. They can help you increase your visibility and sales while helping build an image to match your mission. So if you're a small or medium-sized business, you don't have the resources to bring someone on full-time, like a marketing manager or a graphic designer, they can help fill that need for a fraction of the cost. Get over to designpod.studio, or even better yet, email hello at designpod.studio. Tell them that you heard them on Trade Show University, and you get a free one-hour consultation with the owner, Jess Adnich, who is amazing. So email Jess at hello at designpod.studio right away, because at DesignPod, they help you follow signals and make waves. So everyone, welcome back. I am honored, honored today to have on a just a very, very special guest. This is somebody who has probably been behind the scenes and seen more shows in more depth across more industries than probably almost anybody else. And and anytime I, I talk with other people throughout the industry, when her name comes up, people just talk with such great respect and admiration for the work that she's done. So, so really, really pleased to have on Danica Tormolin. She is an award-winning journalist who has covered the trade show industry for more than 25 years. Currently, Danica is working on assignment for CISO, which is the Society for Independent Show Organizers, and UFI, which is the Global Association for the Exhibition Industry. She's working with them to write case studies about producing trade shows during a pandemic. How cool is that? Yeah, Danica is a regular contributor to the PCMA, and she wrote uh, the cover story on virtual exhibits for their February issue of Convene magazine. So excited. Danica, welcome to Trade Show University. Say hi to everybody out there. Hi, Jim. Hi to everybody out there. I'm, I'm glad to be here today. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And like I said, an honor to have you on today. And the, the thing that I'm really excited to talk to you about, and this is something that I, I know is on the minds of so many people, you have been, you've had the amazing opportunity to have attended several live events in 2021. And I, just if you could start, just give us a, a, a flavor of what are, the, what are they like? What is happening out there? And just your, your viewpoint. Sure, sure. I'm happy to share. I will start out by talking a little bit about, so I, I have attended events in, I, I went to Connect in Orlando. That was in October. So that was one of the first events and it was an industry event that was a hosted buyer program that was put on by Tarsus. And, you know, they really were so courageous in, in, producing their event. They had to move it several different times. You know, they were really committed to trying to get back to live events and show the industry how it was done. And, and so they really went um, above and beyond in terms of, you know, 
just moving it from, from Las Vegas, which was closed at the time to Florida to a new destination. And really, I think it was within a few weeks that they had to redo everybody's registrations and, and, and all the exhibitors uh, move all of them and, and all the reservations. And, and they did that, you know, things went really smoothly there. You know, they, they learned some lessons. I think a lot of lessons from that event, since it was so early on, you know, they, they did some things with, with red, with receptions and special events that, that maybe, you know, afterwards, a lot of people didn't do it's, it's really difficult, you know, during this, during these last few months to, to try to have social activities when you're wearing a mask and when you're trying to socially distance and and you're trying to, you know, get people to comply with those things, because that's really, I, I think, the shows that I've been to, they're really trying to show government officials, local, state, and county officials that it can be done safely. That going to a trade show is as safe as, you know, going to the mall, going to the grocery store, that that we are ready to reopen in a, in a safe manner. So I think that that's really been, the, been the, the thing that I've seen that stand out a lot. Yeah, you, you make such a great point about compliance. And... When I, I was uh, talking with someone a few months ago, I believe it was maybe uh, David uh, Dubois from IAE, and he was saying, you know, when these shows come back live, they're going to be the safest places you could be anywhere because you not only have the show organizer that's focused on it, you not only have the event location that's focused on it, but you have, you'll have the mayor of the town focused on it because they're bringing all these people in they want to make sure that it is safe. So uh, to, to your point about, you know, the local governments being involved, the compliance is critical and none of these are going to happen unless attendees are coming back. You know, right. that and so what are you seeing as far as attendees have they been well attended? Yeah, you know, they have been well attended. That that particular event had about a thousand people at it, which was pretty good for an October event. The last event that I attended was Magic uh, Win and the Off Price Show, which were three brand new collaborations in the Orlando um, market. They are typically held usually in Las Vegas in February. And they, again, like, <laughs> like Connect, had to move to Orlando to a state that was open because you do have to comply with each, you know, they're consulting with local health departments and state health departments. And and you really have to coordinate that effort. And it is different in every state, you know, what the requirements are in terms of capacities, in terms of, you know, so many different different parts of, of being able to host an event. And so so that event had about 4,000 people, the, the magic win and off price, which was the largest B2B event to date in the US, you know, since the pandemic. And they they tried testing. They required everybody to have a negative COVID test before they could get into the event, which was also a historic undertaking that, you know, nobody else has done yet in the US and and really globally in terms of the show organizer Informa took the lead on that and and really, you know, found the the right test, you know, the rapid test and, you know, came up with guidelines in terms of requiring people to take tests. So, so that event in particular, the attendees felt really comfortable with being 
on the show floor, knowing that everybody had been tested and received a negative test in order to be there. That meant exhibitors, convention center staff, all of the show staff and the attendees. So it was, it was quite an undertaking and, and I really commend Informa, Clarion and Tarsus for taking on that to show the industry again, show government, show the industry that, that you can hold an event safely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. I mean, I'm getting a little goosebumps right now just, just thinking about these coming back. And you know, like I said about having that confidence, because I've talked to a lot of exhibitors where they said, you know what, we're, I think we might wait till 2022. We just don't want to put our, our staff at risk. But once they, I think once they start hearing the stories, at least I'm, that's my hope, once they start hearing the stories of, of all the, the lengths that it is really being taken so that everyone feels, feels comfortable, feels confident that, that they're coming in. I think that's exciting. I think it's very exciting. And hopefully we will see a loosening up people starting to say and businesses saying, okay, let's, let's take that step. Let's, uh, let's try a show. Let's try a show. Right. I think that, let me add something here real quick on the exhibitor side, because I think that that is an important issue, right? There are people that are not They have corporate travel bans and they may not feel comfortable with traveling. Mostly it has to do with corporate travel bans. I would say on the large and national and international exhibitors for the most part. But so far, the the shows that I've attended, a lot of them, there have been some national brands that are there and sending maybe some local crews that don't have to travel as far. But I would say in terms of there's there's a ton of small and medium-sized businesses that are thrilled to get back to business and have the opportunity to meet new prospects and to meet, you know, with their existing clients and, and, you know, continue those relationships and and show new products. And, you know, they, they really are the lifeblood of the trade show industry or all those small and medium sized businesses. Sure. There are the big national bellwether international companies, you know, that have the big booths and the the double deckers and are, are, you know, really out there for branding, but a lot of the small and mid-sized businesses, this is how they make a, a good percentage of their revenue for the year are generated from trade shows. And that marketing channel really disappeared in, in 2020. And so, you know, they had to regroup and pivot and try to, you know, make some money online. A lot of their, you know, whether it's, I've covered so far a lot of retail shows and, and, you know, the retail sector has been hit hard because of closures and capacity issues, supply chain issues, shipping issues. So they wanted, you know, to get out there and meet new vendors and, and have some domestic suppliers and vendors that they could work with. So that meant meeting new people and, and really all of the shows that I've attended all of the exhibitors that I've interviewed have met new customers and made orders with new customers. All of the buyers that I, that I interviewed personally said that they, you know, found new product, found new vendors. And that really is what a trade show is all about. You know, when you get down to it, that's the heart of it, right? Buying and selling and, and making those connections within your industry. Yes. Oh my gosh. So when, especially at these types of shows, these are shows where people are placing orders. 
They're coming there and they're buying because they need to restock the shelves of their stores or their online stores, but they're there to see the product, to feel the product. Are, are you seeing, when you talk to the exhibitors, yeah. were they were they seeing a lot of buying activity? Were they excited about that or were they, was it still kind of, were they still a little bit uh, underwhelmed by things? You know, it really runs the gamut, just like any other trade show, right? You know, I had one one young company, an entrepreneur that was like his second year, and he said he had the best day ever at a trade show. His one, you know, made more sales in that day than ever before, you know, and then there are, like I said, though, I think all of them made new had new customers out of it, new prospects and new customers. And, and that's really something that you it's, it's pretty tough to do that online, right? To make those connections and to have have a, a customer, a retailer, look at your product, feel your product. You get to tell your story at Surf Expo. There were a lot of companies that, you know, want to tell their story. They have a sustainable story or a history in the industry about their product and why they, you know, launched this new product. And they're excited to share that. And and what I heard from, from that show in particular was they didn't have some of the bigger companies to compete with. And they were able to have time with the buyers to, to talk to them about their story and tell, you know, what, what makes their product unique. So they were excited about that. All the, all the exhibitors that, that I talked to were excited to be there. You know, the, the level of sales are different depending on, on the industry, but there were definitely, there have been supply chain and shipping issues. So people are wanting to find new vendors to have different options. So, you know, if you have, if you run into these kind of problems again, in terms of a pandemic. Yeah, great perspectives there. And it really coincides with everything I've been hearing as far as, and, and that's something that's that's really unique about a trade show. You mentioned the, the small to medium-sized businesses. Those are the smaller, the 10 by 10 booths, the 10 by 20s that make up the vast majority of these shows. And so if, if they go away, you have five or six really large giant booths of so those names, like you said, the bellwether names, the, the, the household names that everyone knows or everyone in the industry knows. But the opportunities that are there for these small to medium-sized businesses at a trade show, you have a buyer of a major store walking in front of you that has never heard of you before, and now all of a sudden you've got, got their attention and you would never have that opportunity unless you were right there at that show where, whereas the, uh, the big names are going to have their opportunities, even if they happen to miss a show or two, they'll still have their opportunities, but it's these small, the, the small to medium sized businesses that really, really can benefit from these shows, which is just outstanding. It is. And, and they really, you can tell that, I mean, I asked every single one of them, you know, what did, how did the impact of not having shows, you know, what did that do to your business? And it really did impact their bottom line. You know, you are able, they're able to meet a, a group of, you know, highly qualified buyers that you said, like you said, you know, maybe wouldn't pay attention to them in, you know, an online format or take their phone call, you know, from a company they've never heard of. But when they see a group of one of them I'm thinking of was this Kanga Coolers, you know, it, the booth was packed all day 
for several days. And you could see people, you know, stopping that probably wouldn't normally stop and, and check out what they had to offer. And that's a brand new business, a a kid, you know, right out of college and, you know, he, but he was on shark tank and, you know, giving those, those people the opportunity to really grow their businesses through exhibitions. Uh, They're a huge marketing channel. Uh, All of them had said that they, you know, exhibit in, you know, somewhere between five to 10 shows a year just to try to, you know, grow their business. Was there anything that was like a big surprise for you that uh, a positive that you weren't expecting that from any of these shows? I was surprised. I think, you know, I think people were, were very nervous about who would show up and who felt comfortable with being at a show. And I would say, you know, there were a lot of people were, I was surprised by how many people were so thrilled to be back at shows. I'm sure there were a good percentage that are, are, were not ready and not comfortable yet to attend an, a live in-person event. But I was so surprised by how many people were there and were thrilled to be there and, you know, ready to do business and show their product and, and, and really conform to, you know, the new procedures and the new safety guidelines, because it really is about doing business for, for these people, you know, the networking and the parties and, and the social functions are a huge part of an event overall. But I think everybody realized that that wasn't, you know, it's not, really doable right now at the scale that, that we are used to at some events. And so I was just really surprised by nobody cared. They were just happy to be able to be there to do business and, and buy and meet, meet new vendors and, and meet new customers. I think as humans, we crave that interaction. We need to be around other humans to really maximize our our joy, our our fulfillment as people, and that that's awesome. I I talked to someone a couple of months ago. They said, "I'll wear a scuba suit if that's what it takes for me to go back to a live event." <laughs> it really doesn't matter, and and but I'm glad that the all the the proper protocols are 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 taking place. Let's go on the flip side. Was there anything negative that that uh, you took away that was kind of a surprise or something that you say, I hope that they change this for future events? Hmm. Let's see. Not really. You know, of course, like I said, like I just was saying, you know, I hope that that eventually and, and soon we'll be able to return to, to more of those networking activities because they are an important part of, of the event. You know, there, I did see education going on and I was surprised by at the last show that I was at magic, I talked to a, a number of buyers and even though there weren't those those networking functions and, you know, maybe some of that formalized education that there normally is, they were still gaining industry insights and that's what they were there for. They were networking with other small business owners and, and still doing those things. It just wasn't in the same, same format that, that it was. So, you know, that's another surprise that you can still do that and it can still happen, you know, without the show organizer doing it to people. That's what people are doing and seeking out from the shows. That's another huge benefit for, for the retailers or for the attendee side to gain that industry knowledge and talk to their peers about what is happening and, and, you know, what issues they're dealing with, if they're having the same supply chain issues, if they're having shipping issues, how they're going around that. That's what a lot of them told me that they were doing too, is just talking to other attendees and other exhibitors, right. To find out what's going on in their market 
marketplace and, and maybe what they can be looking out for. I, I love to hear that you you couldn't come away with anything really negative, which is awesome to hear, and such a great tip. I hope people were listening, and if you weren't paying attention, or if you need to rewind that part, which she just said, about taking advantage while you're there at the show, understand, don't just go to the show, work the show, and leave, go back to your hotel room, go to the bar, whatever. Interact with other people around you. Talk to the people in the booths next to you. It, it, whether it's someone you know or someone you've never heard of before, get to know who they are. Talk about the issues that are you're experiencing, that they're experiencing. Find out more what's happening in the industry. If you don't take advantage of that, you're really, really missing out on one of the biggest parts of live events that can benefit you throughout the year. And making those important connections of others in the industry can can definitely help you in, in times when you you need to reach out to somebody. And if you don't have that connection, you can't make it. So so thank you for that tip. That's uh, that's just fantastic. What do you see coming up? What what do you see over the next we're we're recording this in mid March. What do you see coming up over the next make next three to six months? Right. Right. Well, I think we're, you know, we're, we're seeing the momentum building. I am getting ready to as- attend Reed's Jewelers International Showcase, which starts on uh, March 22nd through the 24th in Miami. That will be their first event. They That was the last event that they held last year in February in Miami, and it will be their first event in the U.S. since the pandemic. Reed has produced some events in other countries, mostly China right now so far, I believe it is, and some Asian, some Asian shows, but they haven't had an event in the U.S. since last February. So, you know, that's really exciting. I will be super interested to see, you know, interview again, exhibitors and attendees engage, you know, the level, you know, that. It's been a month now since the magic event where, you know, vaccination, the rollout has, has gone pretty smoothly. So I I I have a feeling that their attendance, their attendance numbers were doing, were really strong a few weeks ago. So I'll be interested to see what their final numbers and, and, and the mood and the vibe on the show floor in terms of that. And like you said, you know, for instance, the mayor of uh, Miami beach is going to be there. I'll be talking to him and asking him about, you know, the impact of the JIS show on Miami beach and, and the impact that, you know, there hasn't been trade shows in Miami since, you know, last March, really, they've, they just started to have a couple. And I think that this pandemic has showed that how the value of business travel, exhibitions, meetings on the local economies. And, and so they realize that, and they are going to be there in full force with, they've got the mayor coming and they've got the head of the CVB, and they're going to be talking about some of the things that they're doing in terms of GBAC star accreditation to make their facilities be, you know, have the best cleaning standards and certification there. And then also, you know, there are, there's still some confusion about the rollout in different cities. What is, you know, what is allowed in terms of capacity, in terms of, you know, mask mandates. So there's a lot of communication that's going on between the show organizers and the vendors and the, and the cities overall to, to make that happen. I think we'll see, there's a couple of events in May 
in Las Vegas, some smaller events, but the big one coming up in Las Vegas, which they have given the go ahead for is uh, World of Concrete, which is an Informa event, which is usually a, a very large event. And that one has gone through, is going forward in June. So I think we're going to start seeing things pick up, uh, particularly on the independent show organizer side. There, There's a, a handful of events for the next three months, but you know, August, September, really September is when I think, you know, think we're seeing things heat up across, across the country. Should be a good, should be a good fall. I, I don't think there's a lot of open space on any of the calendars at any of the, you know, in Las Vegas in, in Florida and a lot of places, you know, shows are, are getting ready to, to come back. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. And when I heard about the world of concrete, the thing that excited me most was that it's June. That's not that right. far away. It, it wasn't anything else I'm hearing any of the larger shows. It's really late in the year, third, fourth quarter. But June is that's really exciting. And I'm excited for Las Vegas. So excited because that's a city that's just been waiting and waiting and waiting for things to open up. So it's so exciting to see that they are opening up again. So just great stuff. Thank you for for that that peek into the future as to as what you see coming up. And if you could, if you'd be willing to, if you could give us one more peek on on the study that you're working on with the Saiso and Ufi, is there any any little takeaways that that you can you can kind of share as a sneak preview? Sure. So, so the testing that that is that was at Magic and and Win and Off Price was really you know well done in terms of you know they worked with Abbott Labs and they worked with a local health provider to administer the test. They had a chat bot that they you know had developed particularly for this event, and you know there's so many questions around around testing. And so I think that it, it's really, it was, it, it's, it's going to be a great case study. If you can check it out when it, when it comes out today, it's going to be out later on today. And, and really just a Q and a about all the things that you need to think about in terms of testing. If you want to do that now, you know, the industry overall, I don't necessarily think that it's going to be, you know, like at world of concrete or, or other shows that it's going to be a requirement that you're going to have to have a negative test or, or, or even offer rapid testing on site, but it it was a way to gain confidence in the marketplace that that we can hold shows safely. And I I think that you know some events it it may be something that that they want to do in terms of whether it's an executive level event where you're only you know you have CEOs maybe you want to require testing or people are also talking about digital passports digital health passports that are that you have your vaccination records or your negative test on on a, a separate app and that's checked confidentially privately through another company a, in order to attend shows so so we might see that on the horizon but it really is interesting to, to look at how they handled the testing for for the event absolutely thank you for for that little sneak peek and and by the time people are listening to this that that report will be out where will they be able to find it so that will be on SISO's website. They're, they have a whole case study section. I, I think I've written now, this will be my fifth case study. And then I'll be doing one on Jewelers International Showcase as well. And then World of Concrete. And then they're going to be doing, the World Market Center is also going to be having a show, their, their uh, first big showroom show in Las Vegas um, in April. Fantastic. Great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. As we as we kind of wrap up, do you yeah. have a couple of one or two takeaways that you would like the listeners to to get from this this episode today? 
Well, I think one of the things that I get asked a lot lately is, you know, can I hold a show safely during a pandemic? And I would say that you can, and that I've seen it in action and it is doable. It does take a lot of planning and, you know, thinking about things that we have not normally had to think about before. And I mean, in terms of risk, in terms of, you know, getting people to attest to their health, to submit to screenings, to, you know, adhere to mask mandates and, and follow those rules. But I think that, that people, there's a percentage of your audience that's going to do that and are going to be thrilled to do that. So, you know, my takeaway is it can be done and I've seen it done safely. And, and I, you know, I encourage anybody who's considering it to even just, just go for it because you're going to have to start somewhere. We got to get the, the industry restarted. And, and the other major takeaway I would say is for instance, like the magic event that just happened, the economic impact, it was 15 million over three days in the city of Orlando. And, you know, our industry is really the lifeblood of, of business travel. And there were so many people that were furloughed and unemployed in all different kinds of industries, whether, you know, all the, all the industries that serve our industry, whether it's the contractors, the convention center staff, AV companies, restaurants that are around the convention center, hotels. I mean, all those people were laid off and they were so excited. I mean, I had people giving like standing ovations in Starbucks because there was a line of people there, you know, people are just thrilled to have trade shows back and events back in their cities. And so I think you're going to find that when you, when you first get out there, that people are just really excited and that we do a lot of business in each of the local economies. So. That is awesome. Uh, awesome. Great takeaways. Thank you so much for that. And, and I have mentioned many times uh, anyone who's listened to several of these podcasts, podcast episodes over the past year, you've heard me talk a lot about the economic impact and the ripple effect. And, and it's not just the event center. It's not just the exhibitors. It goes well into just what Danica said. It's it's the restaurant workers. It's the, the caterers. It's the AV companies. And it goes on and on and on. So, so important to get these live events back. So one of the things that I also want to mention before we get off of here is I am part of a, a group called the Women in Exhibitions Network. It just launched recently here in North America, and it is a, a great organization for networking for any female in the trade show industry. We have a, a great group of founding members, really powerful women in the industry, and, and our goal is really to just network. We're going to be having uh, monthly education educational and, and fun networking activities over Zoom in the, in the short term. But in the long term, we hope to, to meet in person. And it's open to any woman in the industry, whether you're a show organizer, exhibitor, contractor, you know, we, we really want some young professionals. We're looking at doing a mentoring program and a reverse mentoring program. And we had our first meeting uh, a couple weeks ago and we had some really heavy hitters, Nancy Walsh, who was, who is the president of Informa North America spoke, Carrie Freeman Parsons with the Freeman company also, you know, kind of told her story and, and Mary Larkin, who's the president of diversified North America. And so, you know, it's a great organization and, and I really, I really encourage 
encourage any woman who's in the industry to, to join our next meeting. We have a website. You can find us on LinkedIn and though we'll be, we're doing an event for the Kentucky Derby on, I think it is April 29th. Fantastic. Oh, so exciting. So exciting and much needed, much needed organization. Can you give everybody the website? It's on LinkedIn. So all the females in the industry, please get over to LinkedIn and look up Women in Exhibitions North America. Become part of this. Check it out. Sounds like just an amazing, amazing way to for you to grow careers, grow your business, and really network and, and with the most important people in the industry. So thank you, Danica, for sharing that with us. And speaking of checking out, what's a way for people to see and, and read more of your work? Sure, sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn and there are links to all of the articles that I have written over a long period of time, <laughs> 25 years. I also am very active on Twitter and I post industry news and information with, with kind of my own spin. And so you can find me at Danica Tormolin on Twitter and then also on LinkedIn. So, and then some of my articles, you like you said, are PCMA. I'm a regular contributor to PCMA's Convene magazine. And so you can check me out on PCMA's website and then also on SISO and UFI for the case studies that, that we've talked about here today. Fantastic. And I will be sure to drop uh, links to all of those into the show notes. So just click on that show notes button and you'll see all the links and go read her work. Danica is a brilliant writer. She is so good, and that's why she is so in demand by these by these organizations around the industry. So, Danica, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time in amongst your your travel, which is awesome travel schedule, going to all these live events. I really really appreciate you sharing your experiences, and hopefully, everyone who's listening got a lot of positivity, a lot of hope and a lot of confidence to to go back to those live events. So thank you again for, for sharing with us. Thank you for having me, Jim. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Get out and check uh, Danica's uh, amazing writing, her stories, her case studies, and, 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 and connect with her on LinkedIn. And then always, as always, please keep checking back here at Trade Show University. We'll see you next time on campus right here at Trade Show U. Hey, everybody, before you go, I've got to ask you, are you getting value out of these episodes? Are you enjoying the interviews and the tips and the industry news? I hope so. If you are, please leave me a review wherever you're listening. Leave me a review on Apple, on Spotify. I greatly appreciate that. I love reading the reviews. And please send me an email and tell me what you like best. What would you like to hear? Is there anybody you'd like to hear me interview? Please send me an email to jim at tradeshowu.biz. That's jim at tradeshow, letter U, dot B-I-Z. Hope to hear from you soon.